following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. So it is Girl Scout cookie season, and uh, first, to lead things off, just wanted to say thanks for the order. Yeah. Um, the youngest is involved. She's got her little Girl Scout smock. She's earning her patches. She's selling cookies. She's already eclipsed her her goal, and uh, I appreciate the eight boxes <laughs> that you just bought. Yeah. Not all for you. Not all for me, but some that's, of them. That's awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, so you got... You got shortbread, caramel delights, peanut butter patties, and then... Thin mints. Thin mints. Yeah. Favorite out of those? Can you pick one? Uh, probably the peanut butter. Same. Peanut butter or the shortbread. I'm a big fan of the shortbread. I ordered peanut butter patties a couple of years ago from somebody else at the station while the kids were still babies, and he brought me peanut butter patties. Or uh, peanut butter sandwiches. Sandwiches, yeah. No, you got to get the patties. I was horrified. Peanut butter sandwiches, you might as well just have a peanut butter cracker. Right? Yeah. It's that, kind that, of the that's same. all it is. More or less, yeah. Yeah. So, no, peanut butter patties, we, we got them, and then we bought, uh, also the s'mores are very good. Yeah, those are relatively new, relatively right? Relatively new. And like, and, like, the big thing out right now are the toast yays. I figured those like were cinnamon toast crunch. French toast, yeah. Oh, French toast. Yes. Okay. Because they, and now I've got people asking at the station, because somebody else, uh, Liz, bought some, and then she shared with some people, and I had people ask me today, are you bringing in an order form? Like, oh. why? Well, Liz shared some toasties, and I want some. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Got some good marketing going on, so I appreciate it yeah. uh, very much so. Throw, this is, I, like to, I like to throw the Thin Mints in the freezer. Is it? Are those good that way? Yeah. Because yeah. I, I see sometimes at convenience stores they have candy bars in with, like, the soda and some of the frozen section mm-hmm. just in a tray inside yeah, yeah. the door. I like to throw the, you know, throw a sleeve of Thin Mints in the freezer. Okay. Pretty tasty. All right. This is the Intentional Foul. We are back. Uh, we've got a lot to do. We'll probably spend most of our time on the NFL because free agency has started with uh, just a whirlwind of stuff. Um, baseball, there's a couple things. NBA, there's a couple things. And then we'll probably do a lot of NCAA tournament because the first four set to kick off on Thursday, and then the tournament uh, in earnest starts on uh, Friday. That includes the Badgers and a couple of notes uh, as well. So uh, let's dig in. Um, do you want to start with the Chicago news, or do you want to start with, with, with Drew? Because this is the thing that I feel like I've seen on Twitter and Facebook now in the last couple hours. Sure, sure. We can go there. Yeah. Andy Dalton. Yeah. One yeah. year, $10 million. And reaction. Um, I think a lot of people would expect me to freak out. I'm, 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 not, that, I'm not that freaked out about it. Uh, you know, basically because it's March. See, you know, that's okay. You had told me that earlier on a text message, and I was thinking about it. Okay, well, we, you're focused on other things right now. You got March Madness, and you got the Bucks coming up. It's not football season. I get it. But it still impacts what you're going to feel come training camp time and then the regular season. So, or do you just want to pack that away until... I'll worry about it then. I mean, certainly it's, there's stuff to talk about, but I'm not... I'm not super riled up about it because it it 
it begets a lot of questions, but I think it also answers a lot of questions. Okay. Um, you know, they're they're investing fourteen million dollars this year. It's gonna it's a one year ten million dollar deal for Dalton. Foles is making four million this year, so they have fourteen million dollars invested in the quarterback position. That's not much. Nope. So that leads me to believe that maybe they're going to try to do something else. Uh, I don't know what that would be. Could be a trade for for a big name person. Maybe you try to trade for an Odell Beckham or you know somebody like that. Um, I don't know that there's anybody that you, that's really out there to go sign that would be a big get for them at this point. Um, There's a lot of wide receivers on the market, but, but none of no, them really I, tip the scale. I mean, I look today like the best guy remaining is probably uh, Galladay. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, nice player, but he doesn't, you know, you, you throw him on the Bears, they're all of a sudden not a, they're not a Super Bowl contender. Right. It also, to me, answers the question of job security for Pace and Nagy. And I think this tells me that they're not in danger of getting fired at the end of this year. Because... If you were, I would think that you wouldn't have made this signing right now. Um, it was reported that they went really, really hard after Russell Wilson, and right. I had heard they had offered as many as five first-round picks. Oh my god! To Seattle, which on its face is ridiculous amount. I would have done it in a second if I was the Bears. Why not? Um, especially if. I'm the GM and the coach, and I think my ass is on the line. You can't get that done, fine, but, you know, you didn't get in on Stafford or Goff. Doesn't sound like you've been in on Darnold. Obviously, you don't have enough to get uh, Watson. You couldn't get Wilson. Um, You know, a guy like Jacoby Brissett signed a one-year deal with Miami to back up Tua today. You could have gone that route. A lot of people have thrown Mariota out there as a stopgap kind of a guy. He's athletic. He kind of fits some of the things the Bears like to do. You could have just tagged Trubisky and just brought him back one more time. Which, to me, that is... Which seems like the smartest play. Right, but that's very, very uh, telling about what they feel their future would be with him. And I think that it tells you that Nagy didn't have any time for Trubisky. Um, so they're going to, they're going to go with a couple veteran quarterbacks who are essentially the same guy. I think Dalton's about a year and a half older than Foles. Uh, but you know, like I looked at Dalton's stats today between 2012 and 2015, which were like his second through fifth years in the league. He was 41 and 19 as a starter. I mean, they went to the playoffs four times. I think they won the division a couple times. And I look back at the roster, and they had some dudes. I mean, they had A.J. Green and Jermaine Gresham, and they had uh, Jarvis Green-Ellis and Gio, a young Gio Bernard and a young Eifert. Like, a lot of weapons. But that was a long time ago. That was seven, eight years ago. He had a lot of weapons last year in Dallas See, and was very, very mediocre. And that's what a Bears fan, co-worker of mine, said today. He's like, you've got him on a roster with one of the best running backs, a pretty damn good offensive line, and one of the best receivers. Three good receivers. And, and a great core. Yeah. And what did he do? Went four and five. Now, granted, part of that was their defense was, a, was not good, but yes. they were not scoring many points with Dalton. Um, I, 
I don't know. It it also makes me think that maybe they know their team's not that good. You know, do they now invest a first round pick in a quarterback? Do they take a Mac Jones out of Alabama like I've seen some mock drafts um have them doing? If you're Nagy and Pace and you think you could draft him and he could sit this year and next year he's your starter, maybe, I don't know. Um but it, 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 there's a lot of there's a lot of unanswered questions today that in the next couple of weeks into the, and then after the draft maybe maybe we get a clearer picture maybe not this might just be a complete mess with two beyond their best days quarterbacks um, on a team that's fighting with Detroit for the cellar in the north right I I, I mean. I, I look at their weapons. Montgomery's a nice player. Allen Robinson's a nice player. Mooney might be a good number two guy, a quick receiver. Um, and I saw they're trying what's to the, what's the tight end? They're trying uh, to trade Anthony Miller as well. well. Yeah, he's he's an idiot. I'm fine with that. <laughs> Comet and Jimmy Graham yep. at tight end. Eh. So you there's, got problems there's, not, the there's not a lot there you got, anyway. You got problems in the old line. That, that need to be fixed to me first and foremost. Well, and this is a deep draft for alignment, so I think they might grab a couple guys there. They might sign somebody as well to try to plug a couple of those holes. But, you know, at the end of the day in the NFL, you got to be able to score. And uh, it doesn't appear that this roster is going to be able to do that with, with what they're going to line up behind center with. And, you know, again, and we've talked about it time and time again, this now is just another black mark on the Ryan Pace legacy. I mean, he will forever be known as the guy that could have had Mahomes and Watson, and instead he ended up with Trubisky, Foles, and Dalton. That's, I mean, that like the gap there is so large. It's not like, you know, it, it's not like one of those drafts where there's five quarterbacks taken in the first round and four of them suck, or they all suck, which has happened. You know, I think back to like the when the Bears took Cade McNown. That was like the McNown, Couch, Achilles Smith. Like all those guys bad. all suck. Yeah. Like you can forgive that. But when you think you're smarter than everybody and you go up to take Trubisky and you pass on these two Hall of Famers, and I mean, I, I just don't know how the franchise moves past that until he's gone. Yeah, I, don't I, I don't know what spot they pick. I think it's like late teens. Okay. So, and I, I read something about, was it was it Shefty or somebody who tweeted it out today? Like, expect four quarterbacks to go in the top seven picks of the draft coming up, which I don't know how deep it is for guys that you can grab at the end of the first round, the back half, second round that, you know, are not a two- to three-year project. Right. So I guess when I saw the Dalton signing, my immediate question, and not as a Packer fan because I really don't, you know, I don't care. Everybody, no, the Bears aren't worth worrying about well, if you're a Packer fan. I right don't now. do that anyway, unless you know that was the year that if what, they got Russell Wilson, you would have been like, okay, right? Or when they got at the time when they got Cutler, or they got Peppers, or they got Max. Jared Allen. You still right, Cleo? I'm like, oh, okay, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's something, but like, just on the surface, I was like, okay, so they're not really trying to lose, but they're not trying to win either. Right. It's just a plug-in, we'll see how we do, which, I mean, I kind of respect that, but at the same time, if you're really trying to better your team, 
there are a lot worse options you can go to at quarterback that would probably ensure you some higher draft picks while still, you know, on, on the surface you could say, well, we feel this is going to make our team competitive. But, I mean, this is this is just a, okay. I, I mean, best of luck to the Bears ticket office tomorrow and the people answering those phones. I think people are going to call and start bitching. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Chicago. Those people are going to be losing their shit tomorrow. Guaranteed. I, I wish that I could get the score in at work so I could listen to that. It's going to be, it's just, that's just what those fans do. Because at the end of the day, always remember, Bear fans are also Cub fans. Yes. So they're not, you know. Most pre- of them. Myself excluded. Right. They're not the brightest bulbs. <laughs> so, and and you also got to remember that a lot of Cub fans are also Packer fans, and they're not the brightest bulbs either. Well, if, but, you, if you listen to sports radio callers and you and you take that as the the common denominator for thought processes that go through their minds. I know enough of both. True. Uh, I know enough of both to make the judgment. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Um so that's just that's just part of free agency. We'll dip back in. We'll talk about the Packers in a second. Um the 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 big news around the league was the fact that Drew Brees retired. Um I mean, he he along with Peyton really took that franchise to another um another level, won them their only Super Bowl, you know, after the hurricane and 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 that was the feel good story, but I mean, just for somebody that was coming out of college that everybody wanted to pass on because they didn't like how tall he was. And then he goes to New Orleans and just basically lights the league on fire after a while. I mean, well, for, yeah, his first couple of years was not good. No. Not good. They wanted him out. And then he became good, and then they mm-hmm. replaced him with Rivers. That's right. Yes. They drafted Philip Rivers yes. number two overall. Well, they drafted Looked they drafted Manning, Eli and, and traded him for him. Rivers. Yes, that's right. But, I mean, and then he tries to go to Miami. Miami, I remember that. Yep. Where Nick Saban is the coach at the time, and the doctor won't let the Dolphins sign him, so he ends up in New Orleans, Orleans. and Saban ends up in Alabama. Imagine if that – think about that doctor's opinion of Drew Brees' shoulder – changed the NFL and college football forever. That's crazy. Think about Drew Brees in Miami with Saban. Would he even be at Alabama now? No. No. Because Alabama would have hired somebody else. Right. Well, I mean, would he even be, would he still be in the NFL? Who knows? He might have won three Super Bowls with Drew Brees in Miami. I don't know. But it's just, it's one of those what-if moments. Mm -hmm. Like, holy shit. That was a that was a big decision, but yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, when we were kids, the Saints would have the random every seventh year they'd go ten and six and get the wild card yep. and get stomped. Yeah, it wasn't until Breeze got there. I remember when they played the Bears in the NFC Championship game. I think it was Breeze's second year there, and that was like holy shit, the Saints are in the <laughs> NFC Championship game. And then they end up winning the Super Bowl, and for the next decade or perennial contenders and never made it back, but they were always one or two seed in the NFC. So um, what I, I just threw this out there just kind of off the top of your head. Where, where do you rank Breeze all time? Is he a top 10 guy for you? I think he has At to least be. in the, I'm just saying Super Bowl era, you can't really compare to no. YA Tittle. But. but, I mean, when, you're, when you've got a guy who's not and a coordinator and a coach who's not afraid to let him pass 50, 60 times a game, 
You know, I mean, the dude puts up monster numbers. I think he's first in passing, second in touchdowns, um, and he's he's second in something else as well. Um, But, I mean, he's got to be top ten for me. Yeah. I mean, he could probably be closing in around six or seven. Yeah, I think I, I guess I think in my head I had him at eight today. Okay. You know, I got Brady, Manning, Montana, um, Elway, Marino, Favre, Rogers, probably Breeze. So that that put him at eight. I think the, I think anywhere in the top ten you is know, fine. Oh, I don't think he's better than any of those guys. Right. I just you know, his numbers are great, but you know, you gotta remember the era. You can't really you know, you put Dan Marino with Sean Payton in this era, good lord! I mean, what you know, what happens there? So, but no, hell of a player, great career. Sounds like he's going to be doing some NBC studio yep. work, mm-hmm. some Notre Dame games, which is kind of interesting considering he's a Purdue guy. But um, same state, it's fine. People seem to like Drew Brees. He seems like a good dude, so I'm sure he'll do well in his second career. All right, back to free agency. You had texted me, and I was out doing other stuff. Um, over the weekend, and, and the Packers re-upped Aaron Jones, something that I did not see coming at all. No, me either. Um, especially to the tune of how much how much they paid him, and that kind of leads in to a player that they lost because, I mean, if you're going to pick somebody to invest in, I, I guess I'm just a little surprised that they chose him um, over an offensive lineman. Um, but, I mean, clearly Lafleur and Goody love what Jones did in his offense, he does multiple things. He can split out. He can catch it out of the backfield. He can run uh, with the ball. I mean, it's 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 great to have that versatile a piece in there. But I'm I'm just curious about whether you thought you could find somebody else that does the same things. Maybe not as well, but considering your salary cap situation for a little bit less of a cost, you know. And, and maybe invest that money somewhere else, maybe in a position group where it's more needed. I would be curious to know who they were bidding against. Like, who else? It was four years was, and 48, right? Yeah, yeah, like, who else was out there that was going to give him $50 million? I mean, they didn't even let the market set itself. No, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like, it, was, it was fairly quick. I did have a buddy of mine say that he heard the Dolphins were sniffing around. Who's given fifty million dollar a year running back con or not a year fifty million dollar running back contracts these days? There's not a lot of that going on. No. I mean, you know, Aaron Jones I think is a is a good a good player in that scheme. Yes, I don't know that he's a good player in another scheme. See, and that's what we've seen from Packers who blow up in a particular scheme that is. I'm not going to say centered around them, but fit very nicely. Yeah, he's a, he's a great fit for and, what they do. And prosper yeah. in that, but then they go somewhere else and kind of it's a, you know, square peg, round hole situation. It's And they, they're like, well, he didn't do much and we gave him a lot of money. Why was he so good in Green Bay? Well, he's got the system and he's got good players around him. Right. You know, so that's why I'm kind of curious why they didn't let the market kind of <laughs> – you know, before they jumped in with a number. Well, it's, and it's it's funny too because when I saw it come across my phone, I was just I started laughing because I was like, "Well, now you can't you can't give the Packers shit for not spending any money, but now you can kind of give them shit for where they spent the Absolutely. money." Because now it's kind of like, "Well, wait a minute, that's what you're gonna do." Well, and he was definitely more valuable out of the backfield last year than he was in the backfield. Yeah. Um. 
So, I mean, if that if that helps take some pressure off the wide receiver group, which has been much maligned, then great. Um, but I, does this now, I mean, they've got to restructure. I, I was reading some things. they got to restructure. Um, uh, who's the other Smith? Jesus, I can't even Preston? No, they already did his contract. Zadarius? Zadarius. they they, they got to restructure his contract, and they got to do – one more. They already shifted some money around in Amos's contract to free up some some salary cap money. So they did that stuff on Friday, which kind of helped, I think, lead to this signing. They tendered an exclusive rights free agent tag to Alan Lazard, so he's not going anywhere. They like him. And then I read today that they might not, and they've got about twenty four to thirty six hours to do it. They might not tender a a, a second round tag on um, Robert Tanyan. Who was a monster in their offense, hmm. and behind him they got Sternberger, who really hasn't done anything. And you know Lewis is ancient for his position and mm-hmm. how long he's been in the league. So it's like I I didn't really understand that either. But they just don't want to possibly give up a second round, you know. Pay. I, like I don't get that. Do you like the thought? Or the idea of just kind of running it back for the third year in a row with basically the same squad. That's kind of what I mean. Unless yeah. they go out and get a wide receiver, it's it's the same. Other than somebody stepping in for Lindsley, who is gone, and maybe somebody but he else. Can't, he's and, not going to be better. No. Lindsley was like a freaking. He was first team All Pro. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to be better than first, that. First guy since I, I I forget the year, but it was Jim Ringo way back in the day, and and Begsy nailed that one this morning when I asked him who the last All Pro Packer center was, and that's decades ago. Mm-hmm. So no. I mean, I think you have to look at the defensive side of the ball. I'm okay running back the same offense. I really am. It was fine. It was good. They put up points. They kind of reminded me of the Badgers in the fact that they'd put up a lot or they'd start slow and then they'd have a, you know, a little a little boom or they'd they'd start fast and then it would go downhill for a second. You know, and then they'd have a lull before they kind of picked it back, I'm like, oh, maybe we got to score points to actually hang on and win this. Yeah. They, I mean, they, they didn't score points against the good teams. Right. But, you know, you get another year in, in LeFleur's offense, and based on what Roger said after their first year, they only installed half of their stuff, and now you get another year in that? I, honestly, I'm fine with it. You just need to make some better decisions on your, your defensive personnel. You know, and it seems like they've been working on that for a couple of years now. Um, and, and everybody talks about wide receiver, offensive line, tight end. What are you doing? Well, well, that's because points are sexy, though. Nobody, nobody thinks about God. We really need to shore up our D tackle spot. You know, it's just not. It's just not what people do when they talk about football. You know, but uh, that's. But that, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with the offense basically as a whole coming back the way it was. That's that's fine with me. Jamal Williams is gone. You know, you had tweeted at me about AJ Dillon. There was a guy who covered the Packers who said that they now have the best one two running back punch based on a couple of carries from Dylan this year in one good game. And that's, that's, that's a fine statement, but I, I mean, I guess given their ability to prognosticate and look at even an abbreviated track record and look what he offered. I mean, I haven't looked around the league, but I know Indianapolis has a couple of pretty good running backs. Did he say NFC or a or, or, or NFL? I don't remember. Yeah. So, I mean, like maybe we need to, Hold back on yeah. that. Yeah, I would pump the brakes on that. Yeah. And then, of course, you're assuming that all these guys are going to be healthy for the third year in a That's row. That's true, too. I mean, you so. don't. Okay, so now you've hurt your depth with Williams being essentially gone. Yeah. 
Who are you going to get as the third guy? I don't know. Probably going to draft somebody. I don't. Who, who knows? Yeah. But you know, they had to make some tough decisions. Jones, they re-signed Lindsley. They let go, and and the dude got paid. Mm-hmm. He followed Balaga to the Chargers. Good for him. Happy for him. I read a, a, a thread. Lindsley's wife put you know a big homage to Green Bay and all that stuff. You know, an Ohio State guy accepted in Badger territory and blah blah blah. But all around seemed like good people. Just couldn't afford him. He priced himself out of out, out, out of Green Bay. Good for him. Well, and he smartly went to a team that's got a great young quarterback with the Chargers. Right. So. So, yeah, no, Lindsay got paid. I know you're not as big a free agency guy as as I am. One of the things I love is just the amount of money they throw at players <laughs> in the first, like, 24 to 48 hours. The contracts are insane. I know, but it's funny. It's like Lindsay's making he, – he signed five years, $62 million. That's like – I don't know. Pat Connaughton's contract. <laughs> oh, he, you know what I mean. He can't like compare the NBA stuff. No, no, you're right. No, well, you're right. I mean, when you just say they throw all this money, I'm just thinking like, yeah, you don't follow the NBA that. No, much. I don't. I don't. <laughs> but but talking about throwing stupid money around. This That's, is my this is my equivalent. It's like what. Some of the stuff like the Patriots. Yeah, well, I, that's they've had an open checkbook for the last couple of days. Ninety million dollars they've spent on two tight ends. Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. I mean, well, it, it tells you that Belichick knows that Cam has a dead arm, for one. He can't get the ball down the field. Tight ends are probably his most valuable and, asset. And tight ends and running the ball, I mean, that's kind of how they won their first three titles. Mm-hmm. It was defense and, and smash mouth and clock management, and that appears to be the way they're going. And they you know, they brought Cam back on a yep. five, one-year five mil. They did sign Nelson Aguilar today, who's eh. Yeah. You know, but that's... Yeah, that's a lot of money for two tight ends. I don't know who Joe... Th- when when your team doesn't want to give up a second-round pick for, for one that scored one. like 38 touchdowns last he year. He was your main I mean, breadwinner outside of Devontae Adams. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who Joe Thune is, the guard. But well, I just thought it was interesting because they cut a couple of guys. A couple tackles. And then they went out and they gave yes. the biggest contract, I think, ever to a guard, which is strange. I don't understand that. So... Because that's what kind of hurt them in the playoffs. Yeah, is that their their tackles got either injured or got COVID or whatever. Well, one of them was yeah, one of them was hurt. Yeah, yeah, but, but uh, yeah. yeah, I just you know five year eighty million for a guard. Woo. Um, and he can't he, he doesn't even have three point range. It's a lot of money for a guard. <laughs> Fitzpatrick is your is your quarterback. Assumingly, I mean, he's got what Taylor Henneke and. Heineke, Who would have thought that the Bears would have a shittier quarterback room next year than the than the Redskins? And they will always be called the Redskins on this podcast. Well, you're going to have Fitz Magic. You, you got name. Heineke. Heineke. Yep. You might have, from the sounds of it, you might have Trubisky. Do they have Josh Allen in there too, or, or Kyle Allen, or somebody? They got yeah, an Allen. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the one that was on Carolina. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So they got the, So they got a bunch of guys that are uh-huh. okay. But that's that's. But there's another guy like. You couldn't have got Fitzpatrick over Dalton? I mean, at least last year, Fitzpatrick was playing well and winning games. Right. Dalton wasn't doing that. Um, I didn't see what Fitzpatrick signed for, but I can't imagine it was more than $10 million. I think it was 10 10 or 12 yep. Yeah, yep. so there's another questionable one. Um, and then your Bears lost another guy. I didn't, I didn't really notice this guy, but from everything that I've read, 
He was one of their younger guys who's kind of an up-and-coming dude that they would have liked to hang on to, and they just didn't have the money to sign him. Yeah, nice Yeah, nice young Roy player. Roy Robertson-Harris. Roy Robertson-Harris. You know, he's a D-lineman. Um, you know, he's he played pretty well when Akeem Hicks misses his inevitable six games of the year that he misses. <laughs> Great player Hicks is, but he's always hurt. Right. So uh, he's not, now he's going down to, uh, to hang out with the Urban. Yep. So just, you know, now another hole for the Bears to try to fill. So, <laughs> Anything else on the end? I mean, it no, seems like stuff's always happening every that's about it. couple hours. But that's a that's a lot of NFL news for stuff that's happening in the offseason. I'm sure that's not going to keep up the pace until we get to the draft at least. But uh, we'll, 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 we'll see what happens. There's, there's some stuff with the Packers that they say is going to happen in the next couple of days by the end of the week. So we'll have, we'll have some stuff to talk about next week. <laughs> All right, baseball, um, like you said at the top of the podcast, not much really to report on the Brewers. They played a nine-inning game today against the Dodgers, and they swung the bats really well, and and and, and they won. Um, they hit a couple of homers as well, but, I mean, outside of Adrian Hauser leaving Monday, um, but he's going to make his next scheduled start, and then... Uh, Kane getting his first Cactus League appearance on Saturday. Like, I'm surprised I haven't we haven't heard anything much about here at first. Well, I think really no news with the Brewers right now is good news. I mean, I think the fact that we're not hearing about him is a good thing. It means he's not over there, you know, he's not constantly running down the right field line chasing a ball. Right. You know, I think that's good. And, and you know, like you said, the Hauser injury with the thumb, sounds like he's going to be, for the most part, okay. Kane's had the lower leg injuries, which I just think is going to be a problem for the next two years with him, just like we watched with Braun, right. the hamstrings and stuff like that. Um, you know, Travis Shaw, they had to shit or get off the pot with him yesterday. He's on the 40-man roster, which uh, I'm I'm pleased with. I think he's going to uh, – I don't think he's going to be the 30-homer guy he was a couple years ago, but I think he's going to be serviceable. Um, you know, Garrett Mitchell, their number one pick last year. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really swung the bat well this spring Mm -hmm. and had a lot of people talking. And that's, you know, after kind of what we've witnessed with what happened with Corey Ray and him just never, never really being able to hit enough to get to the majors. I mean, he's just, he he just strikes out constantly. Um, It's nice to see Mitchell have that kind of a spring. Hopefully once the minor league season gets going, you know, he can have a nice year where maybe next year you're looking at him as a guy who is knocking on the door of the roster, you know, and, and it's uh, you, you like to be able to turn those those first-round picks into players, and the Brewers were able to do that for a couple years in a row with Weeks, Hardy, uh, Braun, Fielder. That turned out pretty oh, well. Oh, yeah, how, so absolutely. be nice to have another run of that. And then uh, yesterday, my boy Braun stopped by. Yeah, I, I love that there's still this, like, so what are you going to do? He's like, I don't know. I, I was just like, spring training's half over. What do you mean you don't know what you're going to do? Well, I, I think the door right now is shut on him being a brewer because of the Jackie Bradley signing. I mean, they oh, got sure. four starting-level outfielders now. You don't really have a need for Braun unless something happened where you needed a first baseman. That could always be a possibility, but I've always maintained I don't think anything will happen with Braun until after the All-Star break or even even maybe after the trade deadline where, you know, we don't know. I, I don't know that Kane can make it through a full season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they may need some depth there. Who knows? 
And uh, if he can come back in the middle of a pennant race, fine. Maybe he just comes back and gets a send-off from the fans once that place is able to fill up in August or September. Who knows? But, you know, he travels to spring training with Atanasio and Atanasio's kid. I, I, you know, they owe Braun a lot of deferred money. I think they owe him about $20 million deferred. I wonder how many percent of ownership $20 million would buy in the Brewers these days. Because <laughs> I, I think there's a very good chance that Braun at some point Dips his toe in there. is involved. Sure. I just, you know, he's a career brewer. He's tight with Atanasio. Oh, he's, he, tight. he's, he's tied to the franchise yeah, for he's, a long he's, time. You know, he's going to have to find some business ventures to get into. I mean, you don't lose there. money when you own these teams. I mean, I don't care what any of these guys are saying. They're not losing in the long run. You might lose like this past year with the weird COVID stuff, but the Bucks were sold for like $500 million. They're worth over a billion now, so... Yeah, it usually works out well. <laughs> no, I, I I, mean, I read the Braun thing, and I was like, okay, that's cool, but, you know, and I, I guess I would need a baseball person to explain to me if he hasn't made a decision on baseball yet, either nobody's calling him or knocking down his door to come play. Well, he said yesterday a couple teams called him and just said, do you know what you're going to do? And he said no. And he said no. I don't. I, I haven't made any decisions. So he hasn't filed his retirement papers. So he's still. He could get signed by the Cardinals in May. So if he gets the itch, let's say before the All Star break or the trade deadline, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm going to put myself out there. Uh, I want to go play." How quick then? I mean, because he's a veteran, is it not going to take much time for him to get ready? He, I mean, he said he said he hasn't picked up a bat since the end of last season. So he's not even working out baseball stuff he's not swinging he's not doing that so I mean I mean we saw kind of the abbreviated spring training in the rush to get back and offensive numbers weren't great last year and now for a guy that has an injury history do you count on him or any team to just be able to pick it right back up and say you know are you going to be ready in three days when we get going with this road trip I don't know I don't know I mean I would assume that he's got the facilities to get into if and when he decides he wants to make the oh, comeback. Accessibility I mean, is look, not going to be an issue. If if the Angels are in a pennant race at the in in late in the season and they say, "Hey, come be our DH three days a week," you can drive from home. Right. Hey, the Padres and the Dodgers are fighting for the NL West, and the Padres call and say, "Hey, we need a we need a backup first baseman, power right handed back." It wouldn't shock me. I okay. think his first choice will always be the Maybe Brewers, right. but, you know, they might not have a spot for him. So Interesting. We'll see. Uh, did you see they used Albert Pujols in a, in a hit-and-run today? No. Hitting he, or running? Running. <laughs> wow. It was awesome. It looked like the big dude in Happy Gilmore running the bases. Wow. Chasing after Shooter McGavin. It was hysterical. I'll have to YouTube that. It is great. All right, um, no more baseball stuff. No, yeah, that's, that's about it. Got it. Yeah. All right, um, let's go to the NBA. Um, the Bucks played last night as we record this. They won a couple in DC. Um, Giannis has been really putting up some some good stats, and uh, they beat the Knicks out of the All Star, or was that going into the All Star break or out of the All Star? That was first game out, after, out of the yeah. All Star break. Yeah, right. So they've won, I think, four games in a row. Um, and uh, now they now they play some pretty decent competition. They got Philly on Wednesday on the road. Um, so yeah, I, you, you you're you're following them a lot 
closer than I am, obviously. I, I just know kind of the guts of it. Yeah, I mean, they've won 9 out of 10. You know, they lost, they got their butt kicked by Denver two games before the break. But um, other than that, they've won uh, They've won 9 out of 10. They're playing pretty well. Still third in the East at 25 and 14, two games behind Philly. Um Beat the shit out of the Knicks, which was a, which was a little bit of a statement because the Knicks beat them. I was just going to say year. yes, and they and, beat them by twenty. Yeah, and I think that pissed I think that pissed the Bucks off a little bit. So I think they were uh, pretty into that game, you know, and then beat a pretty bad Wizard team back to back, like you said. But um, you know, Philly Wednesday, no Embiid, he's hurt. He's going to be out a couple weeks. I would expect the Bucks to win that game. Okay. Um, then you got the Spurs Saturday night at home, and then you got Indy Monday at home. And the Bucks are getting into a pretty brutal stretch of their schedule now. In the next 24 days, they have 12 games. At Philly, Indy, the Spurs, you got Boston twice. They got the Knicks again. You got the Clippers, the Lakers, Portland, Sacramento, Golden State, Dallas, and Charlotte. Those games against Those are all on the road. Right. The West Coast road trip yeah. is... The is, two L.A.s, Portland, yes. Sac, Golden State, and Dallas. That's six road games against really good teams, most of them. So um, if the Bucks can come out of this stretch in good shape, you know they're going to be looking at a top two or three seed. And if they come out of this... And I, I, think, I think they're in the midst of a nice run, and I think they're going to continue to go on a little bit of a run here in the short term. Um, three straight triple doubles for Giannis coming mm-hmm. out of the break after winning the All Star MVP. Whether the media likes it or not, he is forcing himself back into the MVP conversation. I've heard various names shuffled around because there hasn't been a surefire person that is like, "Oh, he's our you know he's 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 the the leader in the clubhouse." Well, it's been Embiid through the first half of the season, but now he's hurt. He's going to miss 10 games probably, and then I think already just because they sit him once in a while, he's missed five or six. So his games played at the end of the season now is going to you know, call into question his MVP status. Obviously the media and the LeBron lovers are pushing him, but they're like 9-8 and eight without Anthony Davis. So I don't know. Yeah, his numbers are great, but okay. They're not setting the world on fire. Jokic has been great for Denver. Chris Paul's name has been thrown in there with the Suns rising up. Obviously, James Harden's had a great year for the Nets, and they're I think they're going to end up the number one seed in the East. So he probably should be the front runner. But people are annoyed at the way he bullied his way out of Houston. Houston yeah. So I I don't know. I mean, I think I don't think Giannis will win it because I just don't think. The people will give him the vote three years in a row because they'll stupidly hold the playoff stuff against him, which should have nothing to do with the regular season MVP award. But people are people. Um, So I don't know. I I just I, I give him credit. It's been weird watching him, especially in some press conferences. He seems really, really relaxed. He's talked a lot in the cuts that I've played in the morning. He said more than I've ever seen when we get a description of what he said. He said a lot about the fact that they're going out and they're trying to have fun. And that yeah. seems to me that there's not a whole lot of pressure. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, okay, it's more carefree this year, and we're all good players, we're all playing good basketball, and we're just we just want to go out and have fun. Well, the last year and a half, they've been the hunted. 
You know, they were the top dog since pretty much like the All-Star break two years ago. Um, so I, I'm sure it's a little bit of a relief for them to not maybe have as much media there and ESPN is not constantly begging for interviews and all that kind of stuff. But I think, you know, he's 26 now. He just signed that contract, which has got to be a huge load emotionally and mentally for him to, to be done with. Like that part is forever taken care of. Now he can just kind of play. He's won the MVP twice. He's not gunning for it. I mean, I heard him yesterday. He was talking about Philadelphia. He didn't even know that they were the number one seed, <laughs> which is like, I'm not sure I believe that, but it's possible. And, you know, I kind of like that mindset from him where it's like, hey, man, I know how good I am. I know how good we can be. And we know that these games are a tune-up now. Like, we don't have to go out and try to beat Charlotte by 30 like we did last year to, like, prove a point. Just just beat them. Just get better at the things we need to get better at once the playoffs hit. Seems like it's very game-by-game game yeah. cliche, one game at a time. It's kind of like the same thing with the Brewers. I think, I think the less Bucks talk this year is probably for the better because it allows these guys – to just kind of figure things out. And with all the new parts they've had, they've it's been kind of bumpy. But I think you're starting is the last couple of weeks leading into the into the break and now coming out of the break, I think you've seen a pretty cohesive team. And then of course getting holiday back off of COVID right. has been a big seems, big seems deal. To be, have been a big boost. Yeah. All right. So they play tomorrow. They're on the road at Philly. Uh let's stick with basketball. Let's move to the NCAA tournament coming up and just kind of put the bow on the on the Badgers' regular season and the uh, Big Ten tournament and then the Marquette season uh, as well. You had told me at the end of last week, and I think you might have mentioned in the podcast, you were set up to watch a lot of basketball. Stupid the- amount. So much. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think I read, like, Friday, I think there were 57 games that day with oh. all the conference tournaments. Yeah. And, like, you know, most of them are on TV. I mean, granted, I had to work. But, yeah, Friday night and Saturday and Sunday, I watched a ton of games. So um, one of them that I watched, well, both of them that I watched were the two Badger games. Mm. Um, Barely getting by Penn State. Yeah, and hanging lose. on by the skin of their teeth. I mean, if that game's 15 seconds longer, they lose. Man. And then, uh, you know, again, melting down at the end of the game against Iowa and I was texting with a buddy. It's it's jarring to me that they can have these guys that have played so many games and played so many games together. At the end of the game, they just completely collapse. I mean, at the end of that Iowa game, Trice just throws the ball away. He just throws an awful cross-court pass because it just kind of looked like he didn't want the ball. And then he gets the five-second call with a timeout in their pocket that they don't use, which is like, guard, what are you doing in that situation? Um, just very strange how they're, the last third of their season is gone. I mean, I think they've lost seven of ten now. Yeah, it's been ugly. And, they, and they've lost in ugly ways. Yes. It's, you know, it's one thing if you're just getting your ass kicked. But like they're they're hanging around, but they're finding ways to lose, and that's I think the really disappointing thing that for for most Badger fans, like you said, they have played the top tier teams in the top half of that conference of all, of the of the Ohio States, the Michigans, you know the uh, the Iowas, 
And for most of them, they've been in the game. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, they can't just just finish. Well, I heard LePay and Mike Heller were talking about it on Heller's show the other day, and they were running down. You know, you play Illinois. You play Iowa three times. Illinois, yes. You play um, uh, Ohio. Or I think they played Ohio yep. State. They played somebody else in there that was good. But it's like, yeah, but you didn't win any of them. I mean, I, I, I know you like you want points for being close, but, you know, and I saw some people bitching online when the seeding came out and they got the nine seed, you know, and our, our buddy John Barry, big Badger fan, was saying, what's the point of, of rankings and RPI? And it's like, well, nothing if you can't beat any of the good teams. I mean, it's great that you play them, but you only play them because you're in their league. Schmoltz said that you got to beat them. It's like, what? well, what have you done to earn a higher seed than what you got? They beat two tournament teams this year. They beat Michigan State Christmas Day, and they snuck in by the skin of their teeth mm. to get into the play-in play game, game, which is if their name is Montana State, they're not in. Right. And the other team, they beat Maryland, and Maryland's a 10 seed. Maryland, so the yeah. two teams that you beat, they're seated lower than you, and the teams that you couldn't beat are all seated higher than you. So what are you complaining about? I, I, I didn't understand the... The the, the 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 quibbling about that I, I I didn't get that no I didn't get it either so I mean it's just it's just the fan being mad because the team's not having the year you want and now it's going to end probably the first night I would say but you know sorry when you got to win you got to you got to you got to find a way especially with all those seniors you got to find a way to pull a couple of these games out I know you had a couple of bad calls and that happens but man well. They've got UNC first, and the main thing, and the Tar Heels have not been good this year. We talked about that. You know, one of the Blue Bloods that are down, um, and one of the things that I, I read immediately, just gut reaction, is like, they are a really good rebounding They're team. gigantic. So they have- second chance, third chance points, and you and I have seen it in high school games, and I said it, I, I said it on Monday, that shit will kill you. Kills you. Kills you. So if you can't box out and keep these guys off the boards, whatever you, else you do is not going to matter. You can play the greatest 34 and a half seconds of defense in the right. world, and if you don't get the rebound, it don't mean shit. Right. And North Carolina's huge. They have two six ten guys, three six eleven guys, and a seven one guy, and they lead the nation in offensive rebounding. So I don't know how – the only way the Badgers win this game is if they're lights out from three. I don't see them being able to score effectively inside, and I just don't see... I mean, they've only got 10 fouls between Reavers and Potter. And then you're talking about Tyler Wall and Aleem Ford trying to guard these guys? No. I just don't see it. No. I don't see it. Nope. The Badgers are a strict man-to-man team. It's not like they're going to try to zone them up and make a bad-shooting North Carolina team shoot from the outside. It's just not what they do. Um I would be very surprised if the Badgers win that game. I would. I would. I just think it's. I just think at the end of the day, it's just a bad matchup. And then you factor in the twenty nine and 0 first round record of Roy Williams, which is kind of amazing. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but I bet in twenty five of them, he was a one or a two. I was, seed. I was just gonna say one through three. Yeah, you know, three being not a lot. Not. not not a lot of eight or lower nope. seeds for old Roy. Nope. But that's still all. you know still to not ever be upset in the first round is pretty impressive. Uh, Marquette season mercifully ends. Um, Georgetown got hot. Yeah, yeah, I mean they slaughtered Marquette, and well, I don't know what was that Wednesday night or whatever it was. I mean it it doesn't look as bad now because right, Georgetown just tournament. ran through everybody, yeah. and and you know Patrick Ewing talked about it like they had a real they had like a three week shutdown for COVID, 
And when they came back, he's like, I can't really put my finger on it, but something just clicked. And, you know, they've been playing really well down the stretch. Um, you know, beat Marquette, beat Villanova, uh, beat Seton Hall, and beat Creighton. So you beat, you know, a couple of really pretty damn good teams um, in, a, in a tough tournament. And, you know, they're, they're kind of riding high right now, and they're another team that's just really freaking big. You know, and they got one of the greatest bigs ever coaching, coaching a bunch of bigs. So yeah, they're they're definitely a dangerous team. They're in that twelve five game against Colorado. I'm I know who I'm going with. Oh, I, I I'm going filled, with the, I'm going with the Hoyas. I filled out the East and West side. I haven't done the South and the Midwest, but that was a game that I picked. G Town. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you want to be playing your best. If you're if you're looking for a five twelve, I mean that's a perfect right? that's a perfect one. You got a a hot team who's really starting to click against a a West Coast Pac twelve team that nobody none of us have really watched. No, but the Pac twelve is not very strong this year. So, um, and the Marquette loses another assistant. Is this a common theme? It's three years in a row now. Well, I think it's four years in a row now. They lost Brett Nelson a couple years ago, former uh, Florida Gator player. They lost him to Holy Cross. Chris Carowell, who was a player at Duke, teammate of Wojo's, he went back to Duke. Um, they lost uh, uh, Johnson last year, who was the guy that was responsible for recruiting Marcus Howard. He took the Loyola Marymount job. And then the guy today, I can't remember his name, he took, I believe it was like the Akron job. So all four of these guys have, well, three of the four have moved up a seat to the head coaching position, so you can't blame him. And the other guy went back, back to his to alma mater, school, yeah. so you can't really blame him. But I think it is affecting the program because it's it's made transferring a lot easier for these guys. They already lost a kid today. Samir Torrance is leaving Marquette and going presumably back home out east because the guy that the assistant coach that left today was recruited. the one that recruited him. Yep. Um so that's been a problem for Marquette. You know, the Badgers can't get their guys to leave. Marquette can't get their guys to stay. Um, you know, Theo John, he already has said, I'm not coming back as an, uh, for another senior year. I think Jamal Kane is going to come back because he had like a weird redshirt year. It was kind of like the Reavers thing. They ended up having to play him, but they didn't want to. Um, but, yeah, I you know, the lack of stability for Marquette is a problem right now. And, you know... I think Wojo, he's got to be on thin ice. I mean, I know that right now it's not a great look to pay these giant buyouts to these contracts. So, you know, maybe maybe next year is his hot seat year. But this was a, this was well, not this was an ugly ugly up and down roller coaster season, and they they had better than thirteen and fourteen record talent. They should have been. Around that eighteen nineteen win borderline tournament team, mm-hmm. not where they ended up. Um, I do want to ask you about another in-state school of a different sport and their assistant coaches, which is what we talked about. I think it was late last week. Uh, we can touch on that right before we go through the brackets. Um, just a couple of other college basketball stuff. You and I, had, you had touched on Storm Murphy, the former Middleton, a guy who uh, was going to be a grad transfer off of Wofford. And you said, don't be surprised if he winds up in Madison. And I think we saw yesterday, the day before, uh, he's going to Georgia Tech. Yeah, or, I had, or, or Virginia, Virginia Tech. Tech. Sorry, I, yeah. I had forgotten that his, his, I mean, kind of same thing with the Marquette thing. The 
coach at Wofford who recruited him is now at Virginia Tech. There you go. So there you go. So he's going to play there. And then a bad uh, a bad day last 24 hours in the Big Ten. Indiana fires Archie Miller, and Minnesota fires Richard Patino. Patino did not have a great time in Minnesota. Indiana and, and, and Miller was, was kind of up and down. He at least had a winning overall record, but the Big Ten record was not great. Patino just didn't have a good record up and down. No, not really. And, I mean, it's Minnesota historically has never been – a big basketball haven. They have their they They've have had their, their moments. You know, they had a couple decent teams with Tubby Smith. They made the Final Four mm-hmm. in the late '90s with Clem Haskins when he was cheating his ass off and he was getting guys in there illegally. But for the most part, Minnesota is not much of a basketball school. So, um, you know, Patino has already been hired by New Mexico today. So obviously, he was probably talking to them beforehand because he knew the writing was on the wall. Right. Um, you know, the Archie Miller one. That one's a little more irksome to me. He was there four years. That's one recruiting class that got through your program. I don't know that that's really enough right now to judge these guys on. Is Indiana one of those schools, though? And we had talked about it before we started um, recording because you talk about athletic directors and presidents who expect more from a certain program at their school when they're just not getting it done, they pull the trigger. Is this not acceptable for them? Not quick enough? Well, Not too results-oriented to the positive side? I'm sure it is, but I don't know that, that it's... I don't know that it's realistic. I, I just, you know, it's a little bit... We were talking beforehand about the situation with the Badger women and mm-hmm. how firing Lisa Stone was a mistake, and they've never been able to re- really get back to that level... Indiana fired Tom Crean, and Tom Crean, yeah, he wasn't winning the Big Ten every year, but he had a couple of high 20-win teams. He was putting some guys in the pros. Um, You know, you fire him because he's not good enough. Then you bring in Archie Miller, and he does worse, and then you fire him after basically one recruiting class gets through. It reminds me a lot of what we've talked about in the past with Nebraska football and Notre Dame football. And these schools and these alumni bases that are stuck in the past, and Indiana is one of those schools, um, you know, you're not going to have that Bobby Knight kind of run again. It's Bloomington, Indiana. You just, you know, you can have a couple of years and then a couple down years and then a couple of years and a couple down years, but you're never going to have that 25-year run like you had when Knight was there. And Um, are those coaches that have the big personalities or those attitudes or that just they just have that grand persona where it's you mention the school, that's the first name you think of. Once these guys in the Roy Williamses and the Coach K's and, and the, who was the dude at Kansas self? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, are those guys, once they leave, are they going to be replaced? Or is that era of these big, well-known bigger than the university president position is that gone is that is that on its way out i don't know it's it's hard to say i mean because it seems like all the the guys you have mentioned in there are all old and they've been there forever none of these new guys stay at a place long enough and they don't rise to the level where they're in the same conversation as some of the older generational coaches yeah, and some of it has to do with the administrations and and the alumni basis. Like Kansas, 
think Kansas has had three coaches in like the last thirty five years. That's they had they had they had Larry Brown, then they had Roy Williams, and then they've had Bill Self. So all three of them are legendary guys right. in their own right. So Kansas has done a nice job of keeping that going. UCLA, after John Wooden, they've never had any they've won one national title since nineteen seventy five, I think. And you think about it, and you're like, why wouldn't a top recruit want to go to UCLA? It's freaking L.A. Right. But for whatever reason, and they can't, they've had some decent coaches, but they've never been able to keep anything going. I mean, you know, I just put a list down of some schools here. I think of, like, like a Georgetown, a UConn, a St. John's, schools that were powers when we were kids. How about UMass? When Calipari was there. Yeah. But that was it. But these other three schools, it was like, you know, John Thompson was there for a long time. Yep. Lou Carnesecca was at St. John's for a long time. Jim Calhoun at UConn, a long time. Bayheim at Syracuse, a long time. They really only dipped because they got shoved into the ACC, and all those New York kids they were recruiting were like, well, we don't want to play in that league. Right. So I don't know. I mean, I think when you get these big-name coaches that stick around for a while, they kind of become impossible to replace. Like, Whoever is the next guy at Duke is just getting hired to get fired. Right. I, I, and really, this, the next guy at North Carolina, because after Dean Smith left, they had his assistant who he, like, gifted the job in the middle of the year, an old guy. That? I can't remember his name. He was only there for, like, two years. Then they had Doherty. Yes. and then they, And then they had somebody else. They, it was just a mess. And then they got Roy, and then it kind of settled down. So it's tough to do, but I think, you know, these these schools got to understand, like, you know, Indiana, yeah, you had a great tradition, and your five national titles are, like, top five or six of all time, but you haven't won one since 1987. You haven't been to a – you were in the national title game in 01, but it was kind of a fluke. Like, you really haven't been that relevant of a basketball program in 30 years. You know, so – you can think what you want to think, but eventually guys are going to start looking at your program and going, "I can't win there. I'm not going to just I'm not just going to take this money for 2 years to get fired. I can go somewhere else and build a program like I want." I feel like that's the same thing that Michigan football's been struggling with. Yes, they don't know who they are. You're not and all the alumni are pissed. And even who you were wasn't who you think you were. <laughs> Like, look at Nebraska. Like, when Nebraska oh, was good in the 90s, With Osborne. They were, yeah. they, like, the amount of felons on that team, because that's the only way you can get those guys to go to Lincoln, Nebraska, to live and, and go right. to school, is you have to bring in some questionable characters, and they were willing to do that. And then when Lawrence Phillips got to the pros, you were like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know, but that's kind of what was going on over there. Like Miami, the Hurricanes. Oh, when yeah. the Hurricanes were doing their thing, they were getting some questionable dudes. And then Donna Shalala and those people came in there, and they wanted to clean it up, and where's their football program? Mm-hmm. Irrelevant. So, yeah, I, I just, you know, you got to know who you are as a program. And, you know, if you're, you know, that's where, that's where is a non-Badger basketball fan, I have to tip my hat because – you basically recruit the same kid over and over and over and right. over. You know, they've always got a couple of tall white dudes. They've always got a kind of athletic, heady point guard. And then they've got a dick. <laughs> and we ran through all of yes. their dicks last week. 
but they kind of always have the same team, and it works for them. And uh-huh. you know what? If More that, power to you. That's the way you can do it, and you, you can still be competitive. Watch a Syracuse game. They play a 2-3 zone. What does Bayheim recruit? Super-ass lanky dudes. Because it's really hard to play against the zone when every dude on it's got a 6-10 wingspan. You know? So, I don't know. I, I just think that Indiana, you know, it still has a little bit of cachet for the people that still remember and care about Bob Knight, but that generation is, you know, there's a lot of kids now. I mean, if you're a kid under 25, you don't give a shit about that. Just like when we were in high school, we didn't give a shit about John Wooden and Newt Rockney. It's the same thing that we run into where it's like, don't you know about the lineage and the history? And Well, no, because I wasn't born yet. Yeah, I don't even know who these people are. My dad's told me stories about that, and it put me to sleep. People have said to me, you should talk more to the high school kids about what it was like. It's like, these kids... I've been out of high school for 21 years. These kids are 14, 16, 17 years old. Like, yeah. they don't know who the fuck I am, and they don't care. No, they don't. And I don't blame them because if somebody from – I mean, I lived down the street from Dick Yates when I was a little kid who had an article in the paper. He's one of the yep. great basketball players in Janesville history. When he told me that when I was 10, I, okay, but, like, you're a 60-year-old man at this time. I, what does that mean to me? Nothing. I'm looking at Lagerman. He's right. 18. That's who I'm looking at. Because I watched him. Because I watched yeah, him. Right. You know? And and there's been no, nobody really that some of these kids in, in high school have watched. No. Um, Let's I, hit some brackets. Stuff, okay. Then we'll get out of here. All right. I was I was going to touch on what I was going to mention oh, was, yeah. was, was the Badger football coaches. The the, the assistants. Oh. Yeah, just, losing another one. They just keep blue And it's, it's to programs and it's lateral moves. Mm-hmm. To schools that are, in my estimation, at least for the running backs coach, beneath them. Yeah, he went from Wisconsin to Kentucky. No matter if you're in the SEC or not, it's got to be a money thing. It has to be. Well, I'm, and I'm, I'm I'm looking at Wargle's tweet about it that was yesterday when John Settle was officially introduced as part of the coaching staff, and he said, "In this profession, you want to try and elevate your status as much as you can and take advantage of opportunities when opportunities come. This was an opportunity I couldn't pass up." Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where Settle's from. I don't Neither know. Do I. I don't know. Maybe he's got a prior relationship with somebody there. And maybe he th- thinks that that coach is on his way out, and he has an opportunity to get the head job. Who knows? And that's why there's the... not really. Sorry to interrupt, no, no, but fine. at a school like Wisconsin, there what? is no opportunity for advancement. No, you're not going to call the plays, and you're not going to be the head coach there. And you're probably not going to be the offensive coordinator. No. So I mean, you can, but you're still not calling no. the plays. And I mean, even a guy like Jim Leonard, like you're just going to be the D coordinator there. If you stay, if you stay, this is what you're going to do until Paul Chris decides to Take retire over for Barry. Yeah. Yes. So, yep. And, and I know the Badgers defensive line guy, I think it was, Eno Brechterfield. He went to Vanderbilt. Oh yeah. They're like same position at Vanderbilt. I might have to start a franchise with them on college football 13 or 14, whichever one I got, because they're always awful. The Commodores. Other than when they had Cuddy. It's like, okay, so you lose some of these assistants, and and, and your your question to me, which has always been brought up. Yeah, I just. Whenever this happens, because what people like to do is trot out their salary rankings of assistant coaches on average in the conference, and Wisconsin is always in the bottom third, bottom fourth. They just don't pay a lot of their guys a lot. Well, and it's and it's the SEC that you're competing with, and there's some dude that owns a freaking horse ranch, and he probably threw a couple million dollars at the university and said, go get this guy. They just keep writing checks. We don't care. Yeah, like, hey, we need more money. Okay. Yep. Fine. 
But I, I, I just, I don't know how you can look at this as a professional advancement move unless it's like you said, you see something where a domino is just teetering, waiting to fall, and you can step in there. But other than the fact that it's, I just don't know how it's not financially based. I just don't. Yeah. Why is that job a better job than what you're doing here? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Especially from the quality of running backs that you've seen come through Madison. Yeah. Have they had that in Kentucky? Well, maybe it's just the old Bielema line of, hey, it's the SEC. I don't know. I don't know. All right. That's all I want to touch on. Let's go to the brackets. What do you got? What are your initial impressions? Because, well, I, I, I mean, I haven't looked at this thing too hard to start with. I was just kind of thinking about just running through the first round here okay. and giving a couple of games that I thought were interesting for, for filling out your bracket purposes. I'm not talking any spreads or any okay. of that stuff, just wins and losses. Before we hit that, I had this question yesterday, and it was kind of discussed in the office among some people. And it's it was thrown out on Twitter yesterday uh, after the bracket was released on Sunday. Is being in a first four game, as you had mentioned, a play-in game? Are you really in the tournament? Are you well, part of? Are you part of the field? I, I guess. It, I, just, it feels like on the surface that you're not. You're making us work to get to everybody else's level. You know what I mean? I just never. I I didn't like the expansion when it happened. Sure. I just like the sixty-four teams. I Absolutely. mean, I, I think it's it's. It's just a made-for-TV thing. It's just to get four more games on TV. It's money. That's all it is. Yeah. Because from a basketball perspective, it doesn't really matter. I mean, there's been a couple times where a team or two out of the plane has made a run. But, but I mean, imagine a 16 seed that wins their conference tournament and they're thrilled to go to yeah, that's the field. And then all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute, you got to win one more game to get to everybody else. I, I would be more in favor of it if all four of these games were Power 5 teams. I, I don't think conference tournament champions should be eligible for those games. Right. I think those kids deserve the opportunity to play on Thursday or Friday against one of the big-name schools and get their shine. I think that's a good idea. You oh, know? you're a Power 5 team that yeah. didn't separate yourself? Right. Go go prove it to me you know, that, that you belong. Wichita, I mean, and maybe it doesn't even have to be Power 5, but like Wichita State, Drake, you're in decent leagues, good leagues. You don't have to win your tournament to get in. Michigan State, UCLA, that's fine, but... You know, Appalachian State, they haven't made the tournament since 2000. You know, and what? They're going to play Norfolk State, and what if they lose? So right. they did they really make the tournament? That's what I'm saying. You know, it's like, eh. Like, oh, yeah, you won your conference tournament, but eh. yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Go ahead. First round games. All right. We'll start on the upper right, which is the south on my bracket. Okay. So we touched on the Carolina-Wisconsin game. Yep. I, you know, and I'll, of course, be accused of being a Badger hater, but I, like I said, I just don't like the, I don't like the matchup sure. at all. So I would go with Carolina. Um, the 5-12 is Villanova-Winthrop. Winthrop is always a good team. They're always very athletic. They shoot the ball pretty well. Villanova's banged up. They lost their point guard for the year, Torres Nia. And they got bounced out of the tournament for the Big East immediately. Yeah, they got another one of their top guys is hurt. Uh, yeah, Georgetown put it on them. Um, so that that's one, you know, I, I'm still going to lean towards Nova because I think that they, the coaching with Jay Wright I think will bear itself out. But, you know, if you wanted to take a flyer, that's that's one worth taking a flyer on because okay. I don't see Villanova winning their second game. That's what I was going to say. Which would then be against Purdue. And that's usually kind of how I look at these brackets when I fill them out. 
if I'm going to pick an upset like that, I got to understand who they're playing in the next game as well. So uh, a little farther down, uh, Arkansas Colgate, a three fourteen matchup. A lot of people like Colgate. They play super fast. They shoot a ton of threes. So the analytics side looks good for them. I like Arkansas. The SEC was a pretty good league this year. It was probably the second best league, well, third best league in the country behind the Big Ten and the Big 12. Um, Mo- Eric Musselman is their coach. He's taken Nevada the last couple years All right, on a yes. couple of little runs. Yep. So they got that going for them. Um, I like Arkansas in that game. I got Arkansas winning a couple of games, actually. Um, the seven ten Florida, Virginia Tech. I honestly don't know much about those teams. Virginia Tech, as we talked about, first-year head coach. Um, I'm leaning towards Florida just because they're a little bit more of an established program, but i got to do a little more research on that one. Moving down to the Midwest, Loyola, Chicago, Georgia Tech, and the 8-9 is really interesting. Um, obviously, everybody remembers the run Loyola went on a couple years ago. They had a kid that made third-team AP All-American this year. Um, but Georgia Tech just won the ACC uh, tournament championship. Um, granted that um, Virginia got knocked out with COVID, so they didn't have to worry about them, but you know they still had to beat a couple of good teams, a couple of good tournament teams. Um, I like them in this game over Loyola. Um, just, um, I, I just think they're going to be a little too athletic, and a uh, uh, former guy I used to play against, is one of their assistant coaches, Julian Swartz. Oh yeah, um, was the uh, he was um, first team All State from Waukesha South. Uh, I think he was. I don't think he was AP Player of the Year, but he was one of the Player of the Years. He might have even been Mister Basketball. Played for a year with the Badgers. Badgers. Had some OCD stuff. Had to leave the program, but he is an assistant for Tech. So good to see him doing well. Um, a second round matchup that I'm really looking forward to in this bracket is a possible Tennessee Oklahoma State. That'd be a 5-4. I think that would be a really, really good game. Oklahoma State's got the uh, future number one pick in the draft this year in Cade Cunningham. He was first-team All-American. Bottom half of the bracket, uh, San Diego State and Syracuse. I like San Diego State. I just think Syracuse, they were a borderline tournament team anyway, and and San Diego State's got a nice program. Clemson-Rutgers is one I'm struggling with. They're pretty even. They're both like sixth, seventh-place teams in their league. Um you know, I think that's a crapshoot. I think most people around here in Big Ten country will probably pick Rutgers right. just because they've seen them. Um, but I, I either that could go either way. So, um, you know, the first time I went through my bracket, I think on this side, um, the one team I had advancing the farthest that would surprise people, I had San Diego State my lead eight. Wow, as okay. a sixth seed. Um, you know, they would have to beat West Virginia and Houston, which isn't necessarily that daunting. Uh, but, you know, that's probably will be revised a time or five before right. Thursday comes around or Friday comes around. So any anything you got to add to that side while I take a swig here? Um, Let me see. I mean, I've looked I've looked at the south and the Midwest. <sighs> I mean, it was mostly I mean, when I went through, it was mostly chalk. You know, I was looking for the 12 5. You know, the Villanova Winthrop thing, I mean, you mentioned already, but other than that, nothing really stood out to me. And I didn't even look at the second round. You know, I just kind of went through the the cursory first round matchups. And it was, honestly, there wasn't many upsets. But again, I didn't dive into it as hard as you did. Um, 
obviously I'm not picking the Badgers in in an upset, but I I didn't really have anything glowing to come out of there that was very shocking, I guess. If Illinois State does beat Georgia Tech in round one, you got them against Illinois, which would be a, a, a cool story and kind of a fun game. Uh, it'd be like if the Badgers played UW Green Bay or right. something in the tournament. Loyola, yeah, that's right. But um, we'll we'll see if that okay. happens. So, all right, on the other side in the West, the eight nine game, Oklahoma and Missouri. I can't make up my mind. It's the one game in the entire bracket that I can't quite figure out. I yet. was, and it's an of, old school Big Eight yeah, rivalry is, game, yes. so it should be a good one. And I mean, one team's fifteen and ten, the other sixteen and nine. I probably am going to go with Missouri, but uh, I'm still kind of wavering there. Um, the five twelve in this one is UC Santa Barbara and Creighton, and Santa Barbara has been a a team that a lot of the prognosticators have said they, they is a like, sleeper. Yes. I actually like Creighton a lot in this game. Well, you've seen them. Probably I've seen a few them. Times. I've seen them a few times. They're a veteran team, and they can really, really shoot. So I am going to be going with the five seed so, there. So that Georgetown upset did nothing for you to. to... No, I just think Georgetown's rolling. Okay, I just think That's it was fair. kind of that All simple. Right. The four thirteen matchup, Virginia Ohio. On its face, to me, it's a no brainer. It's Virginia, but they're in a shutdown. They can't even practice, so they're basically going to show up for their game they're having cold. having not played yeah. a game since the semifinal or the quarterfinals of the ACC tournament. So that's a long way off. I think they'll be okay for the first round because I think their style of play is so hard to play against. That defense will always travel. You worry a little bit about. Maybe a little conditioning, some of their legs with their shots, but if this were an up and down team, I would say that might yeah, be more problematic. I, but they're not. I, I I would lean toward Virginia here. Okay. Um, you know the six eleven matchup. USC is going to play the winner of Wichita State and Drake. USC's got uh, a really good player. He was second team All American. Um, Oregon VCU in the seven ten. I like Oregon in that game. I did. I caught some of VCU on Sunday in their conference championship game. wasn't super impressed. Um, and then you got Iowa at the bottom of that bracket. How far are they going to get? I don't think they're getting that far. I didn't pick them going that far either. Yeah, I got them losing to Oregon in the second game okay. as, as of right now. Right. And even if they won that, I would have them matching up with Kansas. That's what I had, I, and I, I, just, I picked Kansas. I don't think defensively they're good enough. You know, okay. I think they're, you know, if if uh, if Garza gets in any sort of foul trouble or they're not making a bunch of threes, I think you can get them and get them quite easily. Okay. Um, That's fair. Bottom half of the bracket, you know, Michigan's the one seed, but livers being hurt is is a big deal. They're they're banged up right now. Um, I think it's going to cost them a final four run. OK, frankly. Um, this, the eight nine game LSU St. Bonaventure. I think LSU has a chance to make a run. I think if they play Michigan in round two, that's going to be very, very interesting. Um, Georgetown, we talked about. Florida State is the four seed over Greensboro. They're my final four team out of this bracket. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, I've liked them all year. They've been very, very close the last couple years. Um, they're tough. They're athletic. They're big. they got a really good coach yeah. in Leonard Hamilton. I was going to say, he's still there then. Yeah. Yeah. He, so he always draws rave reviews. They've really been right okay. on the cusp. Of, of getting over the hump, and I, I just look at this bracket, and I think it might work out well for them. Michigan State and UCLA, the winner of that, plays BYU. Wouldn't shock me if either one of Michigan State or UCLA won two games here. You know, beat BYU, your second game would be against Texas. Eh, they're all right as a three seed, but 
they're not super strong. UConn and Maryland in the seven tens a fun one. I think that'll be an interesting yeah, that's, game. That's an old school game. That's an old school game. I think that'll be very up and down, fun to watch. And then Alabama's the two seed. Um, my former coach Nate Oates is their head coach. Um, he's done a nice job in his. I think it's his second year down there, winning the SEC for the first yeah, time I, in in a while. That's a that's the highest seed I can ever remember Alabama getting. Yeah, they're hoops. they're they're legit. I mean, I think them in Florida State. That's that's my elite eight matchup right now. I think that would be a hell of a game. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking at here in the first round. We can go through some stuff sure. as the tournament goes on next week. You know, I the tournament's always nuts. I think this year it it's either going to be very chalky or it's going to be wild. <laughs> Where I think you're going to see a lot of teams get beat early that are going to surprise people and wreck brackets. Or we could see four number one seeds in the final four. That would not surprise me in the least. Especially if Michigan can get a little healthy. I think Gonzaga... Yeah, you didn't even mention I them. I mean, they, they pretty much, as they should, as the overall number one seed. I mean, you're looking at Iowa, Kansas, and, and a Virginia team coming off of COVID as the other top three seeds. I don't see any of them beating Gonzaga. Baylor has a pretty nice route. They could run in, you know, a Purdue could give them a problem. Maybe in Arkansas and Ohio State, but I don't see it. Illinois, I think, is there. I, I, I will be shocked. I think if Illinois is not in the Final Four, them and Gonzaga would be the most shocking. And then you've just got the East, and depending on Michigan's health, it could be open, but I don't know, man. It's it's going to be a fun one to watch because it's really unpredictable. It's hard to really judge these teams because we didn't get much non-conference. Mm-hmm. We had these monster conference seasons. So, like we talked about last week, you know, some of these teams are just dying to stop playing the same teams. Right. You know, just to see some different dudes is going to be like a kind of you know reignite the motor here. You 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 hear that at a lot of different levels. I mean, even in the Badger women's hockey. Uh, Team they played in the NCAA's and and the WCHA has been has been very good. But the first thing Coach Mark Johnson said when they got Providence in their quarterfinal matchup, uh, who they beat uh, today, but the first thing he said was, "I'm glad we didn't have to play somebody from our conference." Right? They just want to get away. But yet at the end of the regular season, what do they do? They make you play a tournament with the same teams. When everybody's like, "Can we just get to the somebody else? Anybody else?" Yep. Get me somebody while I'm waiting. Yeah, you know it's it, it's one of those things. But no, I'm I'm really excited. This is this is one of those times. And not being the biggest basketball fan, I really get up for it. You know, me and me and some some guys meet up for lunch on the first day of the tournament. We start watching. You know, I'm I'm sure because it's going to be a nice weather weekend, we're going to probably have to do some family stuff. But I'm going to try and watch as much as I can. And and it's a little bit weird weirder setup with Friday and Saturday, and then Sunday and Monday. I still haven't heard a good explanation for why they did that, but. I mean, it's all the quarantine, I think, because they got to get everybody yeah. there to one spot, have them all sit, and then roll out the first four and then start the tournament, which six referees have already been booted. It's going to kill some ratings for that Monday. but Absolutely. Yeah. But maybe it'll up vacations. I mean, you're taking off on Friday, aren't you? But I always usually take off Thursday and Friday anyway, yeah. so that's that's nothing new for me. But before, you, before we get to that, okay. I, the WBCA here in Wisconsin, they put out a survey okay. today, and they asked uh, a bunch of high school coaches for their opinion on some stuff, and I wanted to read you a couple of these questions <laughs> okay. um, to see wait. what you thought. All right. Um, one of the questions was, should the WIA state tournament model 
with the five divisions change back to the old school way and, and basically have eight D1 teams and then everybody else has their four. And your uh, your opinion all along has said that's been the best part and they messed up when they went away from it. Yes. Okay. I think that I think I've always believed that the Thursday of the state tournament was the best day because you got uh the eight best big schools in the state which typically will give you the best players in the state. Um, on showcase. On showcase. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So what? What were the? It doesn't say what the oh, who, who okay. answered. It just lays out the questions here. Question uh, three on here. It says, "Do you believe the WIAA needs to address competitive equity?" What in the world does that mean? I think it's public versus private, and who can get these small schools as a private school in a lower division and just absolutely murder the rest of the competition. Because you see a team, like, I, we went to Kohler a couple of weeks ago, and then on the way through Fond du Lac, we drove right by St. Mary's Springs. They are a powerhouse in nearly every sport they play, particularly football. Hockey, they were very good as well. They can get, they can get whatever athletes they want to go there. I drove by, I'm like, that's it? I was expecting some big, huge, awesome campus. It didn't look like that hmm. on just from the highway as we were flying by. But you take them. Waukesha Catholic Memorial is the biggest offender because they play in like Division yeah, Four or Five yeah. in football, and they shut people out in the playoffs on their way to the championship. Right? They just night I mean, they play a bunch of Division One teams in their conference, mm-hmm. but when it comes playoff time. They're kicked down to like Division Four or Five. Yeah. So you've got a couple of these schools, but I also feel like this is a solution without a problem. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think there's there's too many. The, the, there's not enough instances of it where you want to make a sweeping change. Not to say that it's not an issue when it is, but I don't know whether you need a real blanket change to fix it. You know what I mean? Sure. So, all right. Another one was: Would you be in favor of changing the sectional lines on a frequent basis? I would not. The what? Redrawing like so oh, sectionals. Okay. Sectionals would change. You would I, play to. I I would not be in favor that? of that. Um, would you be in favor of working with WIA host tournament sites to reestablish the shoot around for teams qualifying for the state tournament? Now, this is something that I didn't know went away. See, back in the day when we went to state. You played, you know, we started our first game was Thursday. That Wednesday, you, shoot you got to go to the field house. Yes. And you, and you had a media day, and then you had a shoot around. You know, I think you got the court for like an hour. Lay of the land. Yep. You just yep. went, you kind of just ran through, you did a walkthrough, got some shots up. Got used to your surroundings. Every team got to do that. Apparently, they don't do that anymore. And this is not COVID related. It's no. just, just that they don't do it. Yeah. I, did I, it go away at the same time as they changed I don't know. the tournament structure? That I don't know. Okay. So I would like to see that come back. Okay. Uh, let's see. It talks about some transfer stuff. Uh, obviously, the shot clock. That's what I was going to ask. Implementation. Would you be in favor of that? I am 150,000% in favor of that. <laughs> and I don't want to listen to, who's going to run it? Who's going to pay, pay for, for it? it? That's right. How about we take some of this fucking $2, billion, $2 trillion COVID money and buy some shot clocks? Um, would you be in favor of the WIAA referees having to be uh, 
required to attend a clinic every two to three years. Mark Miller from the Wisconsin uh, sports site said no to this, which shocked me. Why? Because he thought that they not enough guys would want to do it and you would lose referees. You're losing referees already. But part of the reason you're losing referees is because they're so bad they're getting screamed at all the time. Absolutely. Now, granted, they're still going to get screamed at, but maybe not quite as frequently and not maybe as bad. If, if your body of work improves, then I don't see what the downside is, I guess. Well, it's too much work to go through this, so I'm just not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Because people are lazy. Yeah. That's something you and I have talked not, about. Well, you know, time. pay them more then. If you're not going to get a shot clock, pay the ref more. I mean, there's ways to figure this shit out. That's that's. But, you know, they, put this, they send this out to all the WBCA coaches in the state, and they get 80 responses. Right. That's that's pretty standard. Nobody wants to so, no, no, nobody wants to fill it out. You know, there's more than eighty high schools in Wisconsin, folks. Just <laughs> if you were wondering. You think. Well, that's it. That's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm I I, I am a little surprised by that. Um, you know that 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 last question. Are they did they print any responses or that no? That, that's just, just what said, they sent yeah, out. Just what they sent out. He put it on his website on wisports.net. You can check it out. I saw it on his Twitter account. But uh, yeah. Just interesting. I would I, I wouldn't mind talking to Travis Wilson about that and just because I mean he is he makes his living, you know, by way of high school sports, so he's gotta have a tight relationship with the WIAA. So I don't know if his his answers would be skewed or biased in any way. I mean he's been a opponent of the shot clock, he's been an opponent of going back to the old structure for the tournament because he likes well, the small... That's because he's a fat guy from a little school. I mean, everybody's got their biases. That's I'm sure that's his. Hope he doesn't listen to the podcast. Well, he's, he's like your size, isn't he? You know, I mean, I'm not insulting him. He's a probably, probably played lineman somewhere. <laughs> I was a guard. I'm little. I'm short. It's all good. I didn't get... I didn't get uh, what was that guy's name? Uh-huh. I didn't get his money. Joe Lucy? Oh, Joe, Joe Thune. Joe Thune. I didn't get no Joe Thune money Five for playing guards. $80 million. My God. And they uh, say in the draft, guards are, guards are a dime a dozen. I got some fucking tuition from Catchell and some books paid for, and that's it. Thanks, buddy. That thanks, is a thanks, old man. great place to end the intentional foul for this week. Happy bracketing. Yeah, um, have fun this weekend. Yes. Enjoy the nice weather. Hopefully, I'm going to get the grill fired up oh, maybe that's, for, that's for awesome. the games. And Absolutely. Drink a lot of beer. Thanks you for listen, uh, thank you for listening, downloading, subscribing. And as always, we ask that you help spread the word. Please tell your friends. Uh, until next time, I'm Josh. I'm Dan. And we will talk to you down the road. Go tournament. <laughs>